You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's Tuesday, so it's time for It's My Money, and It's My Money is brought to you by Brentus Wealth, and Brentus Wealth was voted in 2020, and also 2017, incidentally, South Africa's top boutique wealth manager. With me today from Brentus Wealth in Johannesburg is Aaron Ruttenberg, and he sent me the following, the title of which is Dollar Cost Averaging, an Investment Strategy to Stand the Test of Time. And he goes on to say, last time that he spoke on the show, he discussed asset allocation being the most important factor driving investment success. Success. But once we have our asset allocation strategy and are ready to invest, the question is, how should this be done? In his view, he says, dollar cost averaging or whatever currency you're investing in should be used. This is a simple way to invest, taking emotions out of the equation and advantage of different prices, a winning formula over time. Okay, it's rather a long introduction, Aaron, but uh, in essence, what are you saying by this? What is dollar cost averaging? So thank you, Lindsay, and you know, good afternoon to your listeners as well. Thank you. Um, dollar cost averaging is, first of all, a strategy in which an investor will put a fixed amount um, of money into a given investment, whether it be shares, unit trusts, ETFs, or even crypto, on a regular basis, whether it be weekly or monthly. So the investment would generally you know, take place, let's call it each month, regardless of what is occurring in the financial markets, and that's important. And as a result... When the price of an investment, let's say it's into the MSCI World ETF, um, the investor will be able to purchase fewer shares of that ETF when the prices of that ETF go down. And when, conversely, when the prices of the MSCI World you know, decline, then your monthly investment will be able to purchase you more shares. So you know, investing, obviously, in this type of equity would be more volatile. So one, therefore, can spread their risk over the longer term than just over one time frame. So what you're saying is this is almost like a monthly debit order into a particular uh, asset class in a particular currency. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. So the strategy couldn't be simpler. Invest the same amount of money in the same stock or mutual fund or across a few of them in regular intervals. Ignore the fluctuations of the price, whether it goes up or down, you're putting the same amount into into that investment. So it doesn't matter. And yes, whether it be dollars, euros, pounds or rands. Okay. An example you give is the following. If you invested 100,000 US dollars in the S&P 500, the Standard and Poor's 500, at the peak in 2007, you would be left with $50,000 by the end of 2008. Okay. That's a bit sad. A stomach of steel, you say, would need to be required then, which would have ultimately paid off. Um, It would have paid off because the 100 went down to 50, but the 50 went to, gosh, probably something quite uh, substantial since then. Absolutely. And the whole point I utilized 2008 is because it was our last real crash. It wasn't a flash crash like 2020, which shows that, you know, and I chose the point of 2007 because 2007 was the peak before the financial crisis. And it just shows that, okay, and and, and we'll get into the numbers, but it shows that if you had to rand cost average, dollar cost average, or you have to, you know, invest over a certain period of time in a long-term time frame, you know, that crash wouldn't have mattered. But yes, a, a, a lump sum would have taken you down to that 2008 50-odd percent loss, mm. which would have required that stomach of steel. Um, and therefore, obviously, if you had cost averaged from that point of time, you would have been able to sleep better at night. But either way, you would have, would have paid off its dividends. And also, it's quite a good thing for people like yourself at Brentus Wealth. 
because you're not having to have these discussions with people. They're saying, well, this uh, asset class is doing this, this particular geography is doing that, and therefore I'm just not going to put money in this month. I'm going to put in more next month if the, if the market is a little bit more stable because I've been listening to podcasts with Lindsay Williams and I've been listening to CNBC and all that sort of thing. It, as you quite rightly say, it takes the emotion out of it. You just get that monthly debit order, and over a long period of time, provided you're in good quality assets, eventually it will come good, mm. I think. That's exactly the point. Because if you believe as the investor you, and you have a long-term approach um, and you feel it's too risky maybe to put everything into the markets because it's just something you worry about, well, then taking a certain cost averaging can just be seen as a safer way to invest and spread that risk over time. Some of the points you make, it's an attractive option for investors who want to contribute to their investment portfolios on a regular basis. Number two, it eliminates the issue of market timing, which so many people think they should do. But eventually, well, when you when you work it out, their market timing actually stinks and uh, they, they lose money by being out of the market. Another point, dollar cost averaging helps take the emotion out of investing. We've just mentioned that. And uh, the final point, if the investor believes the investment has long term potential, but feels it's too risky to make a large sum investment, then cost averaging can be seen to be a safer way to invest and an easy way to invest. Not everyone can sit and look at the markets all day, Aaron, can they? They can't be bothered with no. all these fluctuations and news events, etc. Get rid of the noise and just do dollar cost averaging. Exactly. I think that's the, the downfall as much as I love the markets to myself and any of my peers that work in the financial services industry or investment banking or, or stockbrokers, you know, we've got to follow the markets and we might be able to see our, you know, what's happening with our investments. But for the average investor, even the investor that cannot afford to invest a large chunk of money, um, whatever it be, or the, or the more wealthy investor that comes to us, you know, putting that phasing in option or dollar cost averaging option over time they can just close that drawer, go play golf, do whatever they need to do, and not worry about what's happening in the markets like myself who just looks at the news all the time. Mm. Same as me. A real-world example number one is the next part of your piece that you sent me. In all the examples below, you say, I've decided to take the scenario where I prove that time in the market is better than timing the market, as I just said, or you just said, by using two different scenarios. Maybe you could take it from there, please, Aaron. So. Of course. So now, like I mentioned previously, which I said I would speak about now, is I use periods where the, an investor would to start at the peak of the market before the crash, taking 2007 into account because that's quite a long-term time frame. And the old cliche about long-term in this in this industry is always being used. So let's take a, a, a starting point where it's in 2007, the heart of um, the markets where people thought, okay, well, do we invest more because markets are going to crash? Well, during this time, of course, the market did crash when it came to 2008, like we spoke about that, that 50% um, crash. Yes. But if an investor had to do a monthly investment starting in 2007, the heart before the financial crisis and ending of, of just um, $1,000 every single week, I think, no, sorry, I used $400 per month right. um, in this example. Um, the S&P 500 had a average compound return of 9.45% from 2007 to date or to the end of August last month. And 9.45% is great, but one doesn't have a crystal ball at the time. So if one had to invest a, a large chunk of money, they would be very nervous when it came to losing 50%. But $400, $400 per month over those 14 years from 2007 now to present, 
um, you would have invested sixty seven thousand two hundred dollars. Yeah. But your investment balance would have been one hundred and thirty-five thousand five hundred. So you've doubled so your really money, in other words. You've doubled your money. You've doubled your money. Yes, you've doubled your money over the fourteen years in dollar terms. And for the South African investor, which would be good because they've also protected themselves against the rand. But in scenario two, well, yeah, I'm this is the one that's interesting because uh, if you've got a lumpy bank account suddenly, two thousand and seven, yes. you're watching television, the markets are booming, and you think this is fantastic, nothing can go wrong. Let me put the whole lot in and uh, and see what happens. Starting year again, January two thousand and seven, ending August of of this year, two thousand and twenty one, which was just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what happened? So you're nine point four five percent compounded annually. Um, if you started with 67,200, so those are the $400 per month um, investments for 14 years. Now, if an investor just had that 67,200 on hand and they were willing to put that into the market over the 14 year period, that 67,200 would have grown into 237,800. So again, just shy of double um, return, but having to have a stomach of steel or diamond hands as we call them not selling but again sleep sleeping at night is one of the important things so i think if you had lost half of your portfolio and i had to tell you as a client listen continue investing it will recover it's easier said than done emotionally but you would have doubled your money you would have earned more than that cost averaging version okay so the 400 dollars a month or the monthly increments are both emotionally rewarding because you don't have to worry about sleeping at night and also financially rewarding because you make money because of the averaging factor, correct? Correct. And not always does the, not always does the lump sum beat the rand cost or dollar cost averaging. Sometimes, and it depends on the period, which I noted in, in my article, that in this case, obviously, the lump sum beat the, da- the dollar cost averaging, but yes. it can be that it's the inverse, yes. Yes, of course. Uh, and uh, you have to have a certain type of temperament to do the lump sum thing rather than the gradual yes. thing. It's, it's up to the risk profile of the investor, I would have thought, Aaron. Absolutely. The higher the risk um, you know, that the investor has, sometimes that's just as a result of an investor having a lot more money um, that they are able to invest a lump sum. So what, what $67,000 to an investor who's worth, uh, you know, a couple of million um, or even, uh, you know, a multimillionaire might not be as much as somebody who's, you know, just has a million, uh, just a million to invest. So, yes, yes, risk profile depends on a few things, emotional and how much money you have to invest. And age, of course. Age, All time frame, sort of exactly. Yeah, precisely. Now, you introduce an interesting one because the cryptocurrency factor here, the Bitcoin factor, I noticed uh, this morning, I suddenly looked at the Bitcoin price and it's uh, 52,500. Three months ago, it was below 30,000. This is an extraordinary instrument, isn't it? Tell me about the cryptocurrency example, please. So the cryptocurrency example I used because, you know, whilst it's obviously not as... You know, it hasn't been around as long as legacy markets, legacy markets meaning S&P 500 and that. It's still the most volatile of the markets which are followed by the news and have been and, and that is being adopted by, you know, the entire world, whether it's investment banks, countries like El Salvador. The fact of the matter is it's the most volatile market. And I wanted to prove a point that the dollar cost averaging version can also work for the most volatile of investment class. And that was the point of using this. So I said again, um, in terms of the Bitcoin side, well, we don't have a 2007, but we've got a 2017, which was the peak of the market, all the way until present date. In fact, I used yesterday's date, 
the 6th of September, which also has the flash crash of 2020 when COVID um, started and or COVID-19 started and ravaged itself through the world. So basically, I went and I said, well, if I had to or any investor had to invest $100 monthly into Bitcoin, which is the most widely adopted of the cryptocurrencies and well known um, for the period uh, monthly from the 12th, well, from the 15th of December 2017 to the 6th of September 2021. So it's just under four years. Um, what would the investor come out with at the end? And that includes a Bitcoin price that went from $17,000 in 2017, even higher, which went to $3,000 um, the same year, as well as $3,000 in 2020 when, it, when all fell apart. And the result was a, quite outstanding. The fact that you would have invested a total during uh, of 46 investments during just under four years of $4,600, and you would have profited $22,315. And that's on the weekly, I mean, on the monthly pricing. Okay. Investing. You should start doing one now. You should start doing one now, actually, at 52,000. I will. Because we're we're close to the old top. It's almost like if you're a chartist, you could say that the Bitcoin investment is, or the Bitcoin price is now making a double top. I mean, it may burst through and go to new highs. Who knows? People are talking about it going to 100, 150, 200,000 uh, dollars per coin. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, do a little exercise so the next time we talk, we can have a Bitcoin incremental update, if you like. Okay, what's the conclusion then? Absolutely. So then the lump sum investment of if you had to just take $4,600 um, and you know have invested that in 2017, um, you would have currently $8,949. So that's a return of 194% on the lump sum versus a return of 485% on the monthly investment. So you can see the monthly investment of dollar cost averaging beat the once off investment lump sum. And, you know, obviously, depending on how much you decided to put in and whether you could stomach all the volatility, you could, the, the rand cost, dollar cost, whatever currency used average worked far in your favor by two and a half times. So, you know, to conclude on that, whatever strategy you stick with, don't let it affect your sleep and rather make sure that that strategy, whether you're going to do it as a once off or what I prefer as uh, weekly or monthly investment, make mix that in with a bit of the key ingredient of time and you have a recipe for success. Very good indeed. It doesn't matter whether the asset class is volatile or not. The fact is that you should have a, a mixed and diversified portfolio, but dollar cost averaging or whatever currency it is, cost averaging is actually quite a prudent strategy, unless you're really, really super rich, which most of us aren't. Aaron, thank you very much indeed. That's Aaron Ruttenberg, who is with Brentos Wealth in Johannesburg. And that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brentos Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.